those, but we are not exempt from those. But when those things happen, we have a stronghold. We have an anchor in Christ Jesus. And He will be there for you. If you have your Bibles here, Matthew, the 26th chapter, I'm going to be preaching something different here. I had a message prepared, but I felt the Lord wanted me to re-preach a message that probably many of you have heard me preach before. Many of you are probably familiar with it. But I feel this is for someone here this morning. And I, the Lord just confirmed in my spirit to preach this. And so we're going to go to Matthew, the 26th chapter, and verse number 6 through verse 16. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came into him a woman having an alabaster box of precious, very precious ointments and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble you, the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you always, you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went into the chief priests and sat and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver, and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. For just a few moments here this morning, I'm going to preach on this subject. It's still worth the waste. It's still worth the waste. Lord, we come before you today and we thank you for your spirit that is in this room. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Oh, Lord, you are working on men and women's heart in this room. You're bringing conviction even now. You're bringing hope and peace. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in the hearts of the people that you love so dearly. We thank you, Lord, for speaking directly to us. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, the only name that saves. The only name. The name where one day every man and woman shall bow and confess that you are truly Lord. In Jesus, his precious name. Amen. God bless you here. This morning, so good to see each and every one of you in the house of the Lord. Amen. We had a beautiful home-going service for Brother Kyle Montgomery yesterday. Thank you for coming to his visitation on Friday and his service on Saturday. And just so thankful for Brother Kyle and his ministry and what he did in this world. We're continuing to pray for his family, his wife, his children, his parents, his brother during this difficult time and please continue to pray for them and talk with them and be there for them. It is <clears throat> continues to be interesting to me what people perceive as worth 
or waste in their life. It changes with generations what one generation perceives to be worth, another generation perceives to be waste. What one family will leave behind, another family will buy at an estate sale and find and say, wow, I found hidden treasure. As the saying goes, one person's junk is another person's treasure. Sometimes the oddest things people collect and they think it's worth more than what it actually is because their heartstrings are attached to it. This is not new. People believe that certain things all through the ages are worth or waste and they call them that. And sometimes they don't even call them that, but it is very known because of the actions that they take with that particular item. They throw it on the ground and stomp on it and pay no attention to it. That's really waste in their life. If they keep it in a treasure box and look at it, and every time they look at it, their heart jumps and they dust it off, that is worth to them in their life. There's a story of a, of a painting that was bought at a yard sale for $5. A lady purchased it and there she put it up on her wall. Eventually it became eyesore to her and, and junk. She really enjoyed the painting, but she didn't like the frame. So she discarded the frame and, and uh, as she discarded that frame and put it in the garbage and as she began to take that picture out, she noticed a handwritten date on the back of the canvas was very very old date. To make a long story short, the picture was taken to an art appraiser who forwarded, forwarded it to a museum and called the family and asked permission to ship it to Italy. Eventually, the su- suspicions were confirmed and the painting was discovered to be one of, the, one of the lost works of one of the great Italian master artists. Arrangements were made in that $5 yard sale treasure was sold for six figures. But worth is a funny thing. Months pass and the garage was cleaned out as the family prepared to move to a new home provided by their recent acquisition of wealth and a phone call came from Italy. It seemed that this particular artist always had its paintings framed by a certain master craftsman and If you by chance still have that wooden frame that the painting was in, very likely was worth ten times the price of the painting. (laughs) A desperate search ensued and a small piece of frame was discovered. It was sent off. It was confirmed to be the work of a master. And in frantic panic, they searched high and low and finally someone realized the frame had been thrown away. They even went and searched the landfill but for no avail. To this day, there is buried in a landfill in Indiana a frame that is worth millions of dollars. What an incredible waste. What a travesty. Again, what one person considers trash, another may discover as treasure. One may sell at a yard sale for $5 and an estate auction might be worth millions. Trash and treasure, worth and waste, they're so closely and They're related, really, closely related in such a strange way. In our scripture reading here this morning, Jesus sat with his friends at a feast at the home of of one Simon who had been a leper before he met Jesus. What unfolded at that feast that day was one of the most talked about events in the life of Jesus. The fame of this event was declared by Jesus that everywhere the gospel was preached, that this story would be told. Mary, one of the main people in this story, was a worshiper. She was one that was scolded by her sister Martha for sitting at the feet of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we know from that narrative that she hung on his every word. She listened to what he said as if, His words were indeed the words of life itself. 
But lately, the words of Jesus have, have changed in tone. Many times they have heard him say when threatened that his time has not yet come. But now, as the final week of his life was upon them, Jesus was doing everything he could to warn his followers that his time was now at hand. And, and he was saying things now like, my time has come. But I believe that no one was listening. No one was getting it. No one really truly understood Except for this lady named Mary. Mary heard him. I believe she understood that, that something special was about to take place. What perhaps no one else understood, she realized. That something pivotal was going to happen in the life of Jesus. In the life of his followers. She sensed that the subtle change in the things Jesus was saying and how he was saying them, it, it is doubtful that she recognized that his death was so near. It's doubtful that she fully understood just what he meant. But it is certain that she felt motivated to lavish upon Jesus some profound display of worship in this critical hour. Imagine the table that night as they sat around eating and fellowshipping together. I could hear as there a former leper. The house that they were in. Begin to share his testimony. And begin to say you know I once was a leper. Before Jesus came into my life. But now that Jesus came into my life. I have been made clean. And whole. I could hear as another man at maybe the end of the table spoke up. And he said oh yeah. He said that's nothing. I was once a dead man. My name is Lazarus. I was dead for many days and finally Jesus came and remembered his friend. And he called my name. When he called my name, I began to walk as a mummy out of that place. There, they're all gathered together a little under a week before Jesus gives the ultimate sacrifice, his life. So Mary... She draws from whatever resources she had. There she robbed her penny bank, cashed in her savings, scraped together all her extra money, purchased the costliest fragrance she could afford. Both John and Mark record that the ointment was worth 300 pence. 300 pence in that time was about a year's wages. So it was a very expensive thing that she had that ointment but even to make it even more precious it was encased in an alabaster box the box itself was quite expensive and when Mary came into that room that night she had in her hands the most expensive gift that she could afford it was everything that she had I believe it cost her very dearly to obtain it she pursued it with everything she had. She obtained it. And now she was going to use that at the feet of Jesus. She had only one thing on her mind that evening in the midst, uh, in the midst of increasing tension. Kind of like in the day we live. Increasing tension that we feel all around us. Increasing tension that we feel in our hearts and our minds. Increasing tension that we see all around us on the television sets. In the midst of that increasing tension, there, the face, the upcoming Passover, with the sense of urgency for the hour, she wanted nothing less than to make an undeniable statement of worship. And praise. The scripture says that in that moment of tense issues and problems, it says that she took this alabaster box and she broke it. It further increased the value of the offering 
saying, I won't even take the alabaster box back with me. I will break it because I am going to give everything that I have to this man here tonight. With tears of worship and adoration, she started with his head and proceeded to anoint his feet, washing them with her tears and drying them with her hair. She was a woman driven by worship. Her heart was filled with gratitude. The fragrance of her praise filled that room that she was in. You see that every person knew exactly what she had done when she broke that alabaster box. Because the scent, the smell of that precious perfume drifted into that entire room. Can I tell you here this morning that when you begin to follow after Jesus Christ, and when you make the decision that I will follow Him all the way, and I will give worship and praise unto God, and break open my soul and just pour out everything that I have inside of me, when you do that, others notice. When you do that, a fragrance begins to fill the room. One reason, the scripture mandates us to gather together, I understand. But you know what, there is another reason, a good reason, that when we gather, why we gather together is because when one begins to praise the Lord, or two or three are gathered together, there he is, yes I understand that. But when one begins to worship, the fragrance of worship that is coming out of he or she begins to Fill that person that's next to them or begins to be able to be sensed by that person next to you. And whenever they begin to sense that praise and worship, they begin to want to praise and worship the Lord with you. And that's when the Spirit begins to fill the room. And I've seen it so heavy that you can almost, as, as, as my friend, my friend Brother Mitch tells me, I can smell the Lord in this room here today. I believe that. I know that to be true. It's almost like you can smell His Spirit, His presence. There in the custom of that day and the people of that day when they would come into the house, they would pour a couple of drops of precious ointment to wash the feet of those that came in because of the dirty the dust, the mud. That was just a few drops. This was a whole bottle. Her sense of value of Jesus told her that the sacrifice of ointment wasn't enough. He was worth so much more than that. But that was all she could afford. His worth to her dictated that not only would she anoint him as I said. But she would sacrifice the alabaster box as well. His worth to her is what was on display that evening. His value to her. She was saying in her worship, Jesus, you are worth so much more than this to me. You are priceless beyond comparison. Your worth knows no measure. This was the greatest display of worship that Mary could have ever done. She was saying from her heart, you are worth that to me. I want to be a part of that kind of worship in my life. I want to render to the King of Kings that kind of worship in my life. Jesus, I might not have a whole lot to offer you. I might not have a whole lot of talent. I might not have a whole lot of money. But I can give you one thing and that is my heart and everything that is inside of me and all that I am and all that I have and all that I will. I can give that to you Jesus. And even more than that, I will break my heart. I will break myself from this world and give everything I have to you. I see as people come to the Lord and they will do anything because He means that much. It doesn't matter what it is, what the cost will be. And consider it worth the waste. I'm looking to see if there's anybody anymore who will not just count the cost but not care what the cost will be. Or find a way to pay even if others see it as a waste. 
waste of time, a waste of talent, a waste of effort. I hope I'm talking, and I know I am, to some people here today that says, I really don't care if you, the world, my friends, my family, if you think pursuing after God is a waste. Because I look at it as worth the waste. I really, and I don't mean this mean this morning, but I really don't care if, if you don't understand the reasons why I do what I do. The reasons why I wear what I wear. The reasons why I don't go places that you might go to. I'll try to explain it to you, but at the end of the day, I feel this way. It doesn't matter what you think about what I believe. Because to you, it's not worth it. But to me, the man who saved me, the man who died on a cross for me, the man who delivered me, you might see it as waste, but I see it as worth. And you might say I'm wasteful to wear what I wear and do what I do. But when I reach the pearly gates and I see the man who died for me, it's going to be worth it all. And what you see as waste, I say it's worth the waste. There's some here in this room today. Can I just be plain with you and be honest with what I'm feeling? There's some of you in this room today, your friends have looked at you and said, You're crazy. You don't got to do that. You don't have to do that. What it says in the scripture, I go to church. I feel the goosebumps. See, it's not about the goosebumps. See, we get it wrong in our own flesh, in our own fleshly desires. We think if we feel Holy Ghost goosebumps, we had church. I like Holy Ghost goosebumps. I have them right now. <laughs> but if it's only fleshly, and if it only goes to the raised skin on your body, and it doesn't get inside of you, and it doesn't change you, all you've done is went to a ball game. I'm not, I'm not trying to be hard on us here this morning. I'm trying to preach the Word of God. All you've done is went to a concert. All you've done is heard an inspirational speech. I have not come to do a TED Talk here this morning. I've not come to do an 18-minute inspirational speech. I've come to preach the Word of God. And I've come to tell somebody to get right in their life. And I've come to tell you it's not about just the Holy Ghost highs, but it's about getting it way deep down inside and saying this Holy Ghost makes me walk different it makes me talk different it makes me dress different it makes me go to places that I used to go to and I don't go to anymore why? because I'm a changed person why? because I'm a servant of a higher cause I'm the servant of a heavenly king and whatever I gotta do to give up everything if I gotta give up everything if I gotta give up everything if I gotta give up my friends and they gotta laugh in my face and if I gotta give up my family and they laugh in my face it will be all worth the waste one day I've heard some Young people have come up and told me and said, their parents say, I'm wasting my life away going to that church. My God. I can't tell you the many times my heart is broke whenever a parent, whenever a parent wouldn't turn into this parking lot at 8213 but they let their kid off on the street on Elpine on that busy street because they wouldn't come into the parking lot and they said if you want to go to that church you're going to have to get out on the street and walk into that door 
I know other young people and even adults that, that their parents wouldn't even bring them to the door. And they said, if you want to go to that church, you either got to find a ride or you got to walk. And I've had young people in my youth group, whenever I was a youth pastor here, walk two or three miles to church on a Wednesday night because they said, I know and I love my mom and dad and I want to see them saved. But what you don't understand, mom and dad, is there's something I found at that church that I never found in you. There's something that I found at that church that I didn't find in my psychology books. There's something that I found in that church that my counselor couldn't give me. I found Jesus. You might not understand, but I'll walk because it's worth the waste. I was in meetings this week in St. Louis and and, uh, they were talking about Move the Mission, which is formerly known as Sheaves for Christ. They've changed the name to Move the Mission. Because that's what those finances do. They move the mission. And how many knows what a sheave is in this place anyways? And so, if you don't know it, no young person knows it either. So now it's Move the Mission, MTM. Formerly Sheaves for Christ. Something happened to me which was hilarious. We were out eating in a restaurant. We all go on a bus together to different places. There's about 50, 60 youth youth presidents in the room, their wives. We went to this restaurant and the youth, national youth president, Brother Thomas said, we're done eating. You all can go to this coffee shop on the corner here if you want and get something to drink. Well, I was with some friends and they said, we really don't like that coffee shop. They're from the St. Louis area. They said, it's not very good. I said, okay, I guess we don't go to the coffee shop then. They said, no, let's get an Uber and let's go about eight minutes away And there's this coffee shop called Upstart, and it's really good. Now, we're on a time limit. We only have just a short time. we got to be back at the bus. The youth president will leave us behind. And we're Ubering back to the place we're having the meetings. And then the youth president don't like us anymore. And so, uh, probably not, but uh, that's what was in our minds that day. But So we go, we get this Uber, we jump in the van, and the guy sitting up in the driver's seat is an older gentleman, and he says, well, and I was sitting up there with him. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, well, and he just kind of leaves it there. And we're all in the car like, okay. And he says, uh, I'm going to be talking to your group tomorrow. Like, great, we got the crazy Uber driver. That's great. We're going to die. He's going to go kill us all. I'm going to be talking to your group tomorrow. And we're like, what in this world is this? Crazy. And he says, you don't know who I am. I said, I, no, I don't. <laughs> your name is Jim. That's what it said in the Uber. That's all I know. And he pulled down his mask and he said, I'm brother, whoever it was. And he's a former missionary. He's a retired UPCI missionary. Be sure your sins will find you out. and uh, we start talking and we're like what is the coincidence it's the Lord right there telling anyways we got back in time but I said all this to say this the next day he came and he spoke to us for about three minutes he brought up a tire um, a um, inside of a tire Uh, what is that Uh, inner tube yes tube thank you a tube of a tire and it had all kinds of Knots in it. It had all kinds. It had a piece where they someone tied it and put twine on it, and and wrapped it really tight. And he came up and he showed this thing and he said, "This inner tube for a bicycle has thirty four patches in it, and that doesn't include the twine that was used to patch blowouts." He said, "Whenever I was a missionary." Overseas, I had a young man who would ride his bicycle. He had felt a call to preach. And he would ride his bicycle on unpaved roads that had major rocks and all kinds of crazy things that, that would puncture that tire. And he would save his money. And he would only buy one thing. And that was glue and patch to patch that inner tube tire. 
He had just a little bit of money. And he saved it for 34 patches. And he came after it blew out. He had tied it together with twine, aired it back up. And he came at that point to the missionary and said, um, uh, Pastor, um, do you think we have enough money for me to buy another inner tube for my bicycle? I saw it with my own two eyes. He would travel seven, eight, ten miles from church to church preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't let a bicycle that had a tire popped slow him down. He said, I will take everything that I have in a country called Africa that had they had nothing in that country or he had nothing. And he said, instead of even putting food in my mouth, I will make sure that I feed the flock that is there at those churches. Why? because he said the Lord will provide for me and I believe it's worth the waste for those patches in my life the Lord convicted me he said Anthony you got it too good you really don't have to give up things in your life He thinks small little things, inconveniences, something that you're giving up. He said, no, you're not. He said, look at that young man. Look at him. And this was Mary. Giving what she could. Everyone around her seeing it. As I close here this morning. As I said before, worth and waste are so closely connected. What we would have perceived as waste and went and bought another inner tube. He perceived as worth still. We read and Scripture, book of Matthew, it, it, it says it a little bit different in the book of Matthew than it does in the other Gospels. But it, it, it's told a little out of context. But as Mary broke that bottle, there was another man at the table. That the book of John calls a thief. A man named Judas. Judas really, he didn't care for the poor. He pilfered sums of money. He was the, he was the secretary. He was the person who took care of the money. He would take sums of money, unbeknownst to anyone. He had a habit of stealing from that money box. And what Mary and millions of other Bible readers since have seen as the ultimate statement of worth of Jesus, Judas saw as a lost opportunity for maybe some personal financial gain. You see, if he would have been given that, he would have been able to go sell it. And I don't know if he would have or not, but this is just my perception. He might have been able to pilfer off a large sum. John, he writes in his gospel account that I believe that he, he sees this as the motivation of Judas. And uh, he distorts the vision of Mary. Somewhere along the line, Judas has lost his love for Jesus that Mary had found. Somewhere along the line, Judas has lost, his, uh, lost the most important thing in his life. He lost the love of the Lord. What once was important now becomes secondary. What once you thought, never thought about doing, you do. 
You lose the love for the church. You lose the love for the things of God. However, at this time, Judas was still a disciple. He was still one of them. He was their trusted friend. He began to stir the disciples in anger, saying, What a waste. What a waste. What a waste. What a way to squander such a valuable resource. And, and even that bitter reproach found its way to a sharp rebuke aimed at Mary. But Jesus stepped in. Said Mary is not being wasteful at all. She understands what you don't even understand. And she might not fully understand what is going to happen. But she has anointed my body for burial. It seems in Matthew's telling. That final night with his disciples. Talking about the last supper. He inserts the story. It seems like Matthew is telling us that this incident is what motivated Judas. It was the thing that opened his heart's door for Satan to come in and use him. It was greed. He was consumed with the material wealth. He couldn't see the worth for the waste. He couldn't see the worship because he was too busy mourning the loss of the perfume. In the face of incredible worship in the presence of a declaration of unparalleled worth, Judas could only shake his head and mutter, what a waste. Perhaps it was the Lord's approval in the act of Mary that made Judas willing to betray the Lord. From this scene, Matthew returns to the narrative and tells us that Judas went to the chief priest. He offers to betray Jesus. And we talk about worth and waste. Here, Judas agrees to sell Jesus for a paltry sum of 30 silver coins. 30 pieces of silver was the sum due as compensation to an owner for the loss of a slave. It was worth only about a third of what Mary's ointment alone had been worth. Oh, what a waste. Jesus, the healer, the teacher, the savior of the world, the precious lamb of God was sold for the price of a slave. It's not the money alone what induced Judas to sell Jesus, but it seems abundantly evident that the way Matthew chooses to tell the story, that something transpired in Judas's heart when he ascribed a value to Jesus. He determined that he wasn't worth the sacrifice being offered to him. I doubted at that time that Judas thought of Jesus. He valued him as low as a slave's wage. But the truth is that he made his great mistake when he exalted something, anything, over the value of Jesus in his life. That's when worth turned into waste. And today, that is the trap for each of us. Because before people lose out on God, they first reach the place where they weigh worth against waste. They have a scale that comes in their life and they put everything they believe is worth on one side and they put Jesus on the other. And if that scale tips, tips one way or the other, that's the way they go. You weigh out your options. You weigh out everybody's opinions. You look at the waste they tell you that you're in. I ask you a question here this morning that convicts me. What is Jesus worth to you in your life? How much is too much? Where do you draw the line? How much is too much to sacrifice for the kingdom? How much is too much? What's the tipping point for you, ma'am, sir? When you'll sell off Jesus. Judas had a tipping point. 
soul and oh the regret that came in his life oh the heartache that came in his life so much so that he went and hung himself his bowels gushed out I'm not being graphic that's what the scripture says it, it, he, he died a tragic and horrible death horrible He didn't have to. I've seen men and women walk away from God. And get trapped in the problems and sins of this life. And they die a horrible death. Spiritually. Sometimes physically. Because they ascribed a value to Jesus. Judas, you can't play both sides of the fence. Judas, you can't love Jesus and love the world. <laughs> Judas, you got to make a decision. Can I tell you at the end of this message here today, you got to make a decision. You can't play both sides. Is it worth it? Is going through persecution? Going through trials, going through tribulation, is it worth it? You say, well, thank God we haven't had to do any of that. I understand that. But I'm asking hard questions this morning. Is losing your friends worth it? Losing your family? Is it worth the waste to you? No one might understand the sacrifice you're making. There's only one person in that room that understood Mary's. That was Jesus. No one might understand the sacrifice. But one day they'll understand that it was worth the waste. One day they'll look back and say those, those co-workers and those friends and that family that said you are so wasteful. History will look back and say no, 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 no. It was worth the waste. It was worth the waste. I closed with this story. My aunt, he, uh, she came to this church many years. Many, many, many years without her husband. Many years. Her husband was a backslidden, backslidden. Came many years, played the organ for many years, taught children's church for many years, had many kids that got the Holy Ghost uh, in, in kids' church. I was, I was down there. I was a kid myself and, and for many years. And, and, and she kept coming to church because she said, even though my husband doesn't come to church, i got to still go to church. And even though he might say it's wasteful, I believe it's worth it in my life. And so one day, it just... It's been many years ago now. The tides turned in her life. And her husband came back through these doors of this sanctuary. And gave his life back to God. And was refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost once again. I'm talking she came to church for 20 years without him. came back through those doors. He was the head usher here for many years and now he pastors a thriving church here in this area. He is a pastor today and she is a pastor's wife today. Why? Because she stood up in the face of problems and persecution and troubles coming by herself to church all alone every Sunday driving her car. She said one day it's going to be worth it all. One day is going to be worth it all. Because it's worth the waste. I ask you again this morning as we stand. Are you merry here this morning? playing the part of Judas. Look inside of your heart today.
As we close our eyes, search your heart this morning. Are you holding something back from God today? Have you given everything to Him? Have you been struggling because of issues and problems and circumstances in your life? Have men and women been telling you and conflicting reports in your head and you're just all confused? You're just confused this morning. I'm going to tell you what to do to be Mary. You bring everything you have this morning. You break yourself and say, going to sacrifice, crucify the flesh and bring everything to you in ultimate worship. No one else might understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I do this not because a pastor or a man says to do it or a woman. But I do this because it's in the Word of God. And it's what the Lord and the Holy Spirit has said to do. worth the waste in my life. Can we pray right now in the name of Jesus? Lord, we come before you today. Lord, I've done my very best to preach, to teach and talk. I feel, Lord, as you are here like you were here earlier in this service, you're convicting the hearts of men and women You're exposing things in their lives that they need to change and turn around. You're asking them to sacrifice some things in ultimate worship. You're asking them to make a new commitment and to continue pursuing after you, Jesus, because they will overtake and one day they will recover all. If we understand, Lord, name of Jesus, that it's worth the waste in our life. Bring comfort to those that are here, Lord, those that are struggling. Those that need hope, bring hope. Those that need peace, bring peace. Those that need joy, bring joy. Bring comfort in the name of Jesus. We pray. I surrender all to you everything I give to you withholding nothing I surrender Everything I give to you Withholding nothing Withholding nothing Withholding Withholding nothing Brother and Sister Cobb and the prayer team is going to be coming at this time. They'll pray with you. If anyone would like to have prayer today or if anyone would just want to come and pray, these altars are open for you here this morning. We're here for you, to be with you, to walk with you. Anybody at all that would like to come. To you. Withholding nothing, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I give you all of me, I give you all of me. I give you 
give you all, I give you all of me, 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 I surrender all to you. withholding 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 nothing thank you Jesus I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you pray that his face will shine upon you pray that you have a wonderful week this week don't let anything keep you from God it's worth everything it's worth everything it's worth the waste here today. God bless you. So thankful for each of you that have been here today. Amen. We love and care about you. All of our guests, welcome. Thank you for coming. Hope to see you again soon. God bless.